Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm glad you've joined us today for this podcast of Revelation, God Rules. We're in episode 21, The Great White Throne, and it's from Revelation chapter 20. This is the episode for Sunday, June 11, 2023. Now, in our last episode, we were in Revelation 19, where we saw the Lord Jesus Christ return with the armies of heaven, literally, actually, physically, to the earth, to the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, just as he promised to take over the government of the world. And the Battle of Armageddon, although from a human standpoint, it may have had a lot of drama in it, from the standpoint of heaven, the Lord simply comes back and it's over. And the beast and the false prophet are cast directly into the lake of fire. They are judged immediately. And I love that. I'm excited about that. So today we come to Revelation chapter 20. And let's go right to it. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season." Now, right about now, probably many of you are thinking, wait a minute, the Lord Jesus comes back and he puts an end to the world government of the beast and he, he himself takes over the government of the world and he deals with Satan by putting him in the abyss, the bottomless pit, and that should be the end of Satan, right? Oh, no. <laughs> We're going to see today that he is only chained up in that pit for a thousand years. Once those thousand years are finished, he is let out. So the little outline for what we just read is Satan is in the abyss for a thousand years. Then Satan is released again from the abyss. And guess what? There's no shock here. Satan immediately leads a rebellion of a vast number of people alive on the earth at the end of the thousand-year kingdom. These would be the people born to the people who are Christians, who are believers in Jesus when he returns. Everybody else is killed. So these believers in Jesus that are rescued, many of them Jewish people, in Israel and around the world, but also Gentiles as well, they go into the millennium, the thousand-year kingdom, and begin to populate that thousand-year kingdom. They're saved, right? Amen. They know the Lord Jesus Christ 
as Savior and Lord. But their children and grandchildren and so on that are born to them, after them, they are not automatically saved. Even though they live in this kingdom ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ, they have to decide whether to personally bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ or not. And you know what? Many, many of them do not. It's sort of like when people say, well, man is bad because of his surroundings. It's the environment's fault that man is like he is. Well, God (laughs) puts uh, the the truth to that. He, He shows that's a lie because everyone is living in a perfect world in the thousand-year kingdom, and yet many people still will not bow their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ because they are little rebels, and they like their sin. So those are the ones that Satan appeals to to try to overthrow the Lord Jesus Christ at the end of that thousand-year kingdom. Now, by the way, Many of you have been raised in denominations and churches and you've been taught over the years that, oh, well, the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year kingdom, is not really a real thing, like not really literally a thousand-year kingdom. It's, it's metaphorical or allegorical or spiritual for heaven. Uh, no, it's not. And we're going to see six times in this short chapter, the Bible refers to a thousand years. And you know what? I looked up that word years, what word it is in Greek. And guess what? It's the word years. It's the idea of a year, just like we think of a year in time right now. In fact, I looked at the entire chapter from an English-Greek Uh, translation, this is one of the most literal chapters you will ever want to read. It's like, well, I wonder what that English word means in Greek. And you look it up, and it's exactly what it says. So how did it come about that in vast segments of Christian theology, preachers and Sunday school teachers and authors and, you know, the whole nine yards all refer to this as like, well, it's not literally a thousand-year kingdom. It's metaphorical, it's spiritual, and, you know, probably something like for the rule of Jesus in our heart, you know, that kind of stuff. Hey, listen, Bible prophecy is fulfilled literally, literally. Jesus Christ literally, actually, physically rose from the dead in space-time history, just like we think of an actual event. And guess what? He's coming back the same way. And when he gets here, as one old preacher said, he's not coming to take sides, he's coming to take over, period. And nobody will have a say in that because he alone is King of kings and Lord of lords. Can I get an amen right here? So there's going to be a thousand-year kingdom in the earth's future. Now, I'm going to mess with some of y'all even more.
who are all worked into a tizzy about the existence of the nation of Israel. Whether you're a progressive or you're Muslim or or you say, well, I'm nothing. I just don't like Israel. All right, whatever. Guess where the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to? As we said, it's the Mount of Olives on the east of Jerusalem, and he is going to rule the world from Jerusalem, whether you like it or not. He's coming back, and he's taking over. Wow. Now, let's go to verse four, and we're gonna, right here in the flow of this chapter, we're gonna come back to what we've just been talking about. But before I get away from that, it's so great that Satan is bound up and he's, he's just kept away from people for a thousand years. But what you ought to remember is, even though he's locked up and people can't say, the devil made me do it, right? They can't say that. They have chosen to sin because mankind is is um, hopelessly a rebel without the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the millennium, the people born, or born rather, to the saved people who go into the millennium at first, the people, the children that are born to them later and their descendants after them, they're not automatically saved and they've got to choose whether or not to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now verse four, and I saw thrones. You know what? I looked that word up too. Guess what it means? Thrones. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshiped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So at this point, I'm gonna ask you a question. For all of you people who've been who've heard and been told that there's no literal thousand-year kingdom, who are you going to believe, the Bible or the people that told you there's no thousand-year kingdom? These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ right here. There's going to be a thousand-year kingdom. And if you go back and you read or listen to the prophets in the Old Testament, like I've been doing lately, listening to the Bible this year, it is obvious there is a coming kingdom in this world, and this is it right here. Now, by the way, let's go back to the whole idea of, is this allegorical, spiritual? Is it, it meant to talk about some, something going on in our heart and love and kindness? No, this is literal. Verse four, there, those are real thrones. And the judgment, you know, the ability to, to render judgment and sentence, is given to the people on the thrones. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. That means these people were literally, actually beheaded during the tribulation because they, what? They w would not go along with the Antichrist. And this is explicit. Uh, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. They were sharing Jesus in spite of the threat 
of being beheaded and for the word of God. They believed God and they held to his word, the Bible. And notice here is they're defined further and which had not, now notice what it says, had not worshiped the beast. That's the idea in Greek of, of falling prostrate on the ground in worship. Neither is image. So they not only didn't fall on the ground and worship the, the actual person of the beast, they also did not worship his image. And that is the uh, image put in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. They refused to do it. Neither had received his mark upon their foreheads. So they refused the mark of the beast, which the, the literal meaning of the Greek word is like an imprint on the skin or in the skin. We don't know exactly what that will be, but there are many things that have already been invented right now that could qualify or be paving the way for whatever this mark will ultimately be. But notice, neither had, had received his mark upon their foreheads. Guess what that word is in Greek? Foreheads, like the front of the head, literally, or in their hands. Again, guess what that word means? In their hands. This is so clear. This is not spiritual. It's not allegorical. It's point blank clear so that people who read it now can be warned. There's no doubt about what this means. Now, how it will, you know, what it will be and how it will be done, we don't know that, but it's going to be literal. But these people would not do that, any of that. And they were willing to be true to Jesus to be literally beheaded because that's how people are killed in the tribulation who refuse to go along with and worship the Antichrist. Now, that's all very frightening, what we just said, right? About the, the beheading and being martyred. But look at the end of that verse. This is why they were empowered by the Lord to be able to do that. You know why? They knew that this life is not all there is. Look at that last part of verse four. And they lived. <laughs> they lived. Wait a minute. They were beheaded. Yep, that's right. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Wow. You know, sometimes we go through difficulties. Can I get another amen? And I heard Pastor Andy Woods, a great prophetic Bible teacher, say this. I don't know if it's original with him, but I like it. And I'm giving him credit. Whatever we go through here in this life is only training for reigning. Amen. Now, verse five, what about all of the, all of the unbelievers, those who had worshiped the beast, worshiped his image, received the mark in their forehead or their right hand? What, what about them? Well, when the Lord comes back, all of those people die. They die. Well, what happens to them? Well, verse five starts to tell us, but the rest of the dead 
lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Are you starting to see a trend here? The phrase thousand years will be used six times in Revelation 20. It's unmistakable. There is coming a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ from Jerusalem over the entire world and Christians will reign with him. And we've just seen one of the one of the groups that will reign with him, those who are tribulation martyrs who died for their faith in Jesus, they will reign with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, I want you to think about something. There are people that say, and there are religious groups that say, well, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. And it's the end of existence. Not so fast. <laughs> Verse 5 says, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy. You remember when the Lord Jesus Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers? You remember that in the Beatitudes and, and the Beatitudes that he gave that all had to do with being blessed? It's a Greek word, makarios, and it means just, um, <laughs> I'm gonna try to put it in terms that I can understand, just a total state of perfect contentment. Just nothing can trouble you anymore. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years now, there is a lot packed into verse 6, and I hope I don't mess this up. So let me go slowly, and you lean in and listen hard, and maybe we can get this right. In verse 6, we're told that there is a blessed and holy group, and that is, that is each one uh, that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, when is that? Now, by the way, in religious ways of talking about things and songs and poems and folklore, it's like the great resurrection, excuse me, the great day of judgment, the great resurrection day. Uh, actually, in this chapter, we see there's two of those. <laughs> All right, and there's more than one judgment, by the way, but there's two resurrections. So let's look at this. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first Resurrection. Well, Pastor Ed, what is that and when is that? That is at the return of Christ. Those who are, are living on the earth, who are believers in Jesus that are rescued, everybody else is wiped out. They go into the millennium as believers in Christ. And it appears that at the rapture of the church, why well, don't say it appears, this is what I believe happens. 
at the rapture of the church when the, when the living believers are raptured before the tribulation to go to uh, heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ for seven years until we come back with him for the marriage supper of the Lamb to the earth as part of the armies of God, that's the armies of people that are redeemed and the armies of angels. So armies come back with the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyway, you can see there's a lot in this. <laughs> but what I want you to focus on is this, that when the rapture occurs, even though living believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are taken up at that time, we're not taken up before Believers who've already died before the rapture are resurrected and they go before us like in a, a microsecond, but they, they're not going to be left behind. They go and then we go. And it is believed that the Old Testament saints all through time who have believed in God are going at that time as well. That's what many believe. Now we could get all into that deeper if we wanted, but let's just accept that at this point. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Now, it's going to tell us why. Listen, on such, the second death hath no power. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you are alive at the rapture, you're going up, if you've already died but are a believer in Jesus, but you've died before the rapture, your body is resurrected. And by the way, anybody who dies as a believer in Jesus to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord immediately. But body and soul are reunited, you know, at that resurrection. All right, I'm getting in deep weeds here, but just hang with me. Um. On such a second death hath no power. So even though the, the living believers at the rapture, they're not going to die ever, but many have already died, right, prior to the rapture. There may be people in your family, friends, and certainly uh, millions of Christians in ages past have already passed away. Now, again, as soon as they die physically, they're immediately with the Lord Jesus Christ, but their bodies will be resurrected at the rapture. And that's the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power. So if you're a Christian, now I'm talking about except for those who are alive at the rapture of the church, if you're a Christian and die, you only die once physically. And once you're resurrected, listen to me, you will never die again. Now, in our finite minds in a fallen world, that is really hard to wrap our minds around. But we only die once if we die before the rapture of the church. And it goes on to say something else. It's wonderful. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Amen. This is, this is so wonderful. We reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. We reign with him. And 
the way you handle your Christian life here and now and the trials and difficulties, even opposition from Satan and all of that that we go through is only training us and we're like in a finishing school to rule with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now hear me well. There are people who say they're Christians who believe in the little God's idea, the little God's movement. That is that somehow we are like little gods. That's heresy. We will never even remotely be like God in that sense. God is God and man is a creature of God. So we're not talking about like, okay, we reign because we become gods. That's not what we're talking about. We are allowed to reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is God. God the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God. We are merely creatures of God. Always keep that straight. Now, you remember that I made a point about uh, the Bible actually here in Revelation 20 verse 6 makes a point about blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Now what is that? Well, we're going to see that here in just a moment. But I'm going to stop and not explain it here because the Bible doesn't explain it here, but it's going to in a minute. Now, you remember Satan? Let's go back to him because something's got to happen to him, right? He is due a whole lot. Verse 7, And when the thousand years, now how long is a millennial kingdom? Say it with me, a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, now think about that. Those thousand years began at a point in time and they will be completed. They will expire at a moment in time. That specific thousand year earthly millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, by the way, will fulfill all of the promises that God made to King David. Now, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And I know when I read this, it's sort of like, how can that be? But there's a reason for all of this, which we're about to see. And he shall get, you know, just to show that he is, uh, he's not misunderstood and he's not really mankind's friend and and misunderstood and he's trying to help us. This is not the case because he would have had a thousand years to think about it and get it right, which of course he's never going to do because he is in rebellion against God. So guess what he does in verse eight, what you would expect him to do. You know, they say the recidivism, like the return to prison rate is very high for people who go to prison. Well, it's 100% with Satan, all right? He's going right back to his dirty deeds and his evil tricks. Verse eight, let's read verse seven again. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. 
Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. So this is not the battle of Armageddon. This is another battle after the thousand-year kingdom. To gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So if you're thinking, well, it's just a, it's just a little remnant, right, that, that side up with Satan. Uh, this says they're like the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. There are a lot of little rebels in the kingdom of the Lord, even though he reigns in perfect righteousness. Now, I want you to think about something. When people say that, well, if, if man just had a better environment, you know, crime and sin and everything bad would just go away. And God's just done a 1,000-year experiment to say, you're wrong. <laughs> because here are these little rebels that are already rebels. And I don't know if they know Satan is going to be loosed or not. I guess they could read this and know, but I don't know if they know or not. That's not even important at this point. But they're little rebels in their hearts. And it's a first opportunity to rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. They are, they are up and at it. Wow. And there's a lot of them. Now, by the way, these people, these kind of people cannot populate heaven and the eternal state, right? Why? Because by their own choice, they have been tainted by the, by the virus of rebellion and sin against Jesus. And there's nothing that can be done with them. So the kingdom has to be cleansed and the Lord uses Satan to call all of them out of the kingdom. So look at verse nine. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. Now we'll, we'll see that city in the next episode. And the beloved city, and again, just like the Battle of Armageddon, you know, when people make movies of the return of Christ, it's all dramatic and it takes a long time. It's, it's always presented, it seems like, that it's in doubt or something and it's not. But here it's the same kind of way. Look at this. And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. They have no chance and God just ends it, boom. And now what are you left with? The only people you're left with are people who have bowed their knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, and rightfully so. They can go into heaven and the eternal kingdom, right? The eternal state of, of the universe. We'll look more at that in the next episodes. Now, what about the one who has helped create all of this in the world? God created a perfect world and sin entered in because of Satan, the dragon, Lucifer, the devil, all the same, right? Because he had already rebelled in heaven and he made it his mission to subvert this wonderful planet and human race that God created. So there's payback more than due.
Verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And to that I say, Amen. And if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you should too. Now, what about final judgment? Let's go to Revelation 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne. You know what those words are in Greek? Great white throne. <laughs> wow, this is amazing. I think I'm saying it right to say Megas Lucas Thronus, Thronos. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now let's stop right there. There's not even one Christian at this judgment. Why? Because they are already trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. They are forgiven of their sins and they are eternally redeemed. Amen? Amen. They're gonna live forever in heaven and in this wonderful eternal state and the new heavens and the new earth. The only people here, and I saw the dead, it's not like everybody is raised that's ever been born, the saved and the unsaved, and then there's a judgment. Everybody that is raised here is already got their ticket punched for hell, the lake of fire. There's no one here before the great white throne that is that is like their their ultimate destiny is unsure. There's doubt, like, well, they might get to go. No, they're not going to go to heaven because they would not bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I saw the dead, small and great. This is everybody, people, not just rich people, the poorest poor person and everybody in between. Everyone has ever been born is either going to heaven because they're redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, or if that did not happen in their earthly life, then they're raised here at this judgment, the great white throne judgment. All right, so let's look at this in verse 12 again. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. So get the picture, people. There's, there's a book on one hand, which is the book of life, and there are books, plural, on the other hand, which are the, the deeds and the life of these dead people that are resurrected. You see, for the people and cults that teach that, 
you know, well, when you die, you die and that's it. Uh, they're wrong and they're lying. There is a resurrection for everybody. Well, there's two resurrections. One to eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this one here, which is to eternal damnation because of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice that there were books and another book was open. Books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So I was thinking and preparing for this, for all the people that are deceived and say, well, I'm sure that my good deeds outweigh their bad, my bad deeds. And so, you know, the Lord will weigh those and maybe I'll get to go to heaven. Or maybe I'll go to purgatory and make up for everything and get to go to heaven. Uh, there's nothing like that in here at all. I mean, you could search from here to eternity. You'll never find any of that stuff in what we just read. It's clear. It's very clear in Greek or English. These people, none of these people are judged out of the one book, the book of life. You know why? Their names are not written in the book of life. So that's futile for them because they're not in it. But because they insisted on trying to save themselves, be good enough, uh, live their life the way they want to live it and forget the Lord and everything you could say like that, then there's only one thing for them to be judged by, by their works, by their life, their deeds. Oh, there is no hope for this group. No hope at all. Verse 13, say, well, maybe, maybe I'll die out in the ocean and I'll have to stand here or my body will be burned up or whatever. Verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell. Now hell is like the abode of the dead where they die now. They die and that's where the dead without Jesus go. You know, if you know Jesus and you die right now, you're instantly in the presence of the Lord. But these that die now, these dead, they're in the, and what we, well, the Greek word is Hades. It's the abode of the dead until there's a resurrection and judgment that we're reading about right here. And this, verse 13, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And this idea of being judged is like, you know, judge, jury, and executioner, uh, judgment and, and uh, punishment. Verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, friends, listen. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ today, this, this is the most important 
question for you to settle. Have you bowed the knee personally to the Lord Jesus Christ, repented of sin and received his offer of grace, of forgiveness for what he did on the cross paid for your sin. And you can be forgiven today if you only trust him as your Savior and Lord. And without him, you are going to be cast into the lake of fire. You will experience the second death because your name is not written in the book of life. And everybody whose name is not written in the book of life is cast into the lake of fire. Oh, friends, please trust the Lord Jesus Christ today while you can. Notice here the idea that a Christian can only die once and then he will live forever. But people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ die twice, their physical death and then also their eternal spiritual death forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It never ends. Listen, Satan is real. Hell and the lake of fire are real. Heaven is real. And God rules. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I'm going to ask you a question. If your earthly life stopped right now, where will you be one nanosecond from now? Many of you do not know, and I would say, based on my experience in dealing with people about the Lord and the Bible and all of this for about 45 years or more, the people who don't know where they would be one nanosecond after their death do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be saved if you don't know. That's my opinion. Acts 17 verse 31 says this, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You might ask today, Pastor Ed, how do I know all this is real? Because the Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, dead after he was crucified and buried. He was literally raised again. He is alive right now in heaven. You can bet your last dollar all of this will happen. And that's the proof God has given men. In John 3, verses 16 to 18, we read some familiar words and also some words that are often not heard when people hear John 3, 16. Well, this is what Jesus said. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In 1 John 5, verses 11 through 13, we read this, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'm going to give you a phone number that I would urge you to write down. I will say it twice. 888-388-2683. If you call that number, you will speak with a Christian counselor at a Christian ministry. They can answer your questions and help you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can even call out to the Lord Jesus Christ right now, repenting of sin and believing on the finished work of Christ on the cross and believe that he died and rose again the third day and you can be saved today. I go to a church called Bellevue. I'm going to give you the website that you can go to to get more information. www.bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. So I'm going to spell it out. www.bellevue.org forward slash J-E-S-U-S, www.bellevue.org forward slash Jesus. I hope you'll either call that number or go to that site if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And if you do, you should get excited because a glorious future awaits those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today. I encourage you to like the episode, follow the podcast, and share it right now with other people right from where you're listening. Now listen up. If the Lord doesn't come first and Satan, the deep state, or the World Economic Forum don't double tap me, or I don't just die in my sleep, then I'll be back next week with episode 21 of Revelation, God Rules.